the wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome! This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 3, Episode 17, The Final Nail in Our Suspicion Coffin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us once again as we are here to talk about all things, maybe not all things, some things, uh, the Wheel of Time. I guess eventually we'll get to all things, right, Stephen? Yeah. Um, but for this week, not quite all things, just a few things. By the way, my name is Justin, and the other voice you heard is, of course, my good buddy Stephen, who knows all things about <laughs> the Wheel of Time. <laughs> I, I would not go that far. <laughs> well, you know more than me. Um, well, but that will uh, eventually change. We just got to get you there. I think you'll always know more than me because you remember, I don't remember anything. <laughs> in fact, there's <sighs> going to be a couple of points tonight in, to, in this week's episode that I might need you to remind me of something. So, OK, uh, looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, are you doing all right this week? I'm doing good. Doing good. We're, you know, uh, getting ready for holidays and everything like that. So, yeah. Uh, well, by it's the a... time they hear this, the holidays will have passed. Well, yeah, but it, it'll us... be middle. Of, it'll be middle of January. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. We haven't yep. fully decided when we're starting releasing yet. But yeah, yeah as we're recording, it's uh, a few days before Christmas and uh, yeah. getting excited about that. Um, hopefully getting to see each other next week. Yes. Uh, in person. I don't know. Maybe there'll be uh well, maybe y'all will know that we did long before this episode ever comes out, because maybe there'll be a picture or a video or something yeah, uh, that we can put up on social media. Which, again, if we did that, you've already seen it, so you already know. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, we're getting, it's almost like time travel. <laughs> uh, Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Oh, man. Uh, which I'm so excited, completely off subject, but because of the deal with Disney+, Plus. I've been able to watch Doctor Who again, oh. which I could not do for a long time. Plus, I also have Max now, which has every, you know, all of the all the know, old stuff. Well, the the new old stuff, you know, yeah, everything from nine to now. Yeah. Uh, which I need to go back, uh, watch some of that at some point. But oh, man, it, it was so nice. It was so awesome. Uh, I did diving. not know you were a Whovian, so that gives us even more to talk about later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started watching, I guess, um, 10 years ago or so, maybe okay. a little bit longer than that, uh, when it was on Netflix. Okay. And uh, got through, kind of got through a, uh, 11, Matt Smith. Mm -hmm. And I think because of not being able, you know, at one point during uh capaldi's run like we didn't have cable anymore so i couldn't watch it and so yeah. i just kind of fell out of it but I, I'm, I'm excited to get back into it the the specials on disney plus i really enjoyed 
See, uh, I haven't watched the specials yet because okay. I still have to go watch the Jody Doctor. Oh, okay. I've only seen about four episodes of that run, and I don't want... I'm a continuity nut, gotcha, and so gotcha. I can't jump forward until I... Even though I don't think I'm going to like it, I still have to go through it before I can get to the stuff I want to enjoy. <laughs> well, I skipped all that. I'm going to go back and watch it at some point, but I skipped all that because of the specials on Disney Plus. Yeah. And um, by the way, we're not sponsored by Disney Plus or anything. Yeah. We're just... But, uh, they, hey, if, if you want to sponsor us, let us know. <laughs> I don't think Disney Plus is going to come anywhere near this. <laughs> you, Hey, look. We're just putting it out into the um, into the ether. It, you never know. I mean, we probably I I would think maybe Amazon before Disney because there is some connection there. We'll but... just let them get into a bidding war. I mean, I'm okay with that. We can we can do um, both. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is not a Doctor Who podcast, although that would be a lot of fun. Uh, it's not a which streaming service is better podcast. Um, it's a Wheel of Time podcast, and for this season, season three, it's a The Dragon Reborn podcast, yep. uh, and what chapters are we going to be discussing this week, Stephen? So we are going to go through chapters 44 through 47 of The Dragon Reborn. All right, so, that's the plan. Yes, that is the plan. <laughs> we'll let you know by the end of the episode if we make it that far. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're, we'll probably at least get through 46, I would hope. But yeah, maybe we'll see. Let's just see where things take us, shall we? Yep. Uh, and let's start that by getting into chapter 44. But first of all, get, you want to give the disclaimer? Yes. So if you have not read up to chapters 44 through 47 of The Dragon Reborn, stop what you are doing. Unless you're one of those people who doesn't mind being spoiled to death. Stop what you're doing. Go back. Read. Catch up to us and then come back and hit play. We will be here waiting. It's a wonder of podcasts. You can go and do some stuff and we'll still be here just like we never left. You come back and you listen to us and join in with us. We'd be happy to have you. And now that you're back, we can j jump into chapter 44, which is titled Hunted. A forsaken rules in Ilion, which means it is time to go. But even with the hasty retreat, dark hounds still pursue Perrin and the others. Perrin is able to kill one with a bow, but the rest are taken out when Moraine does something forbidden. At least they will survive for now. Meanwhile, Matt and Tom, on the road to Camelin, encounter a nefarious group of travelers, one of whom seems oddly familiar. Um, so let's start where we left off last time <laughs> and that is that there is a forsaken ruling in Ilion. this uh lord brend i think his name was yep um is well i mean i guess maybe he's lord brend but he also has another name uh, which i believe we do learn in this chapter that he uh how uh, i'm gonna say samael yep I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly or not, but who knows with some of these names. It's one of those uh, that, I mean, you could look at the pronunciation guide, but even the audio books kind of flip-flop on how to pronounce him. I've, you know, I've noticed that with a number of things in the audio books, but you know what? Yes. We'll pronounce it how we pronounce it here. Um, 
it is not in the pronunciation guide of the dragon reborn i bet if i got my copy of the next book though it would be in there um probably but i uh, you're you're good to call him we'll say we'll say samael that's how i pronounce it um but he is one of the forsaken yes um and i was actually thinking this during um while reading and preparing at some point i'm probably going to make a list of no the forsaken we know like where they are what they're doing you know just some like a reference that we can refer to Mm -hmm. uh when we're doing an episode Um, get have fun with that because that list will change a lot (laughs) well you know that's the beauty of digital media is i can change it a lot that's true it's very easy to do Um, it's not like we're using old stone tablets (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But it is, you know, uh, it's dangerous. Um, Well, yeah. yeah, There there is one of these, I mean, one of these figures that basically, especially for like Perrin, was a boogeyman. Yeah. And he's come to life, so to speak. Yeah. And he's ruling one of the, or I mean, I guess there is a king in Ilion, but he he's ruling over this council that... It's, well, they make mention to the fact that nobody has seen the king <laughs> in a while. <laughs> like the public. <laughs> okay, so let, then he's he's ruling it. He, he's, yeah, he's the head yep. dog. Um, and speaking of dogs... Uh, he's got these dark hounds, which I think we we you know were introduced to in the last episode. Yeah, and what's scary is, at least according to Moraine, it's just the dark hounds that belong to him. Mm-hmm. We've also encountered some other uh, dark beings that moraine says probably belong to somebody else yep those gray men that we encountered in the in the badger uh last time uh so so not only do we have a dark friend ruling over ilion um we're suspicious because there's a similar situation in tier that we know of uh because there was a ruler there that that tom didn't know about yep um which is kind of just came out of nowhere a pattern is emerging ah a pattern <laughs> like what you did that see what you did there um <laughs> but we also have someone we we can't know for sure who they are we can maybe have some suspicions but also hunting parent um, trying to well actually Moraine says that Samael probably wasn't hunting Perrin probably didn't even know Perrin existed yeah uh, the dark hounds were after her but um, there's just danger all around yep. it is not good it is not good um, and to make matters worse, worse I can get the words out in a minute um, you know, my tongue's not working so well, but Perrin's works rather quickly. 
as yeah. they're getting ready to escape from Ilion. And, you know, I, I found this kind of interesting uh, and Perrin really even alludes to it kind of in his, in his thoughts. Um, he just blurts out that Rand is the dragon reborn mm-hmm. in the hearing of Nita, the innkeeper there. Um, I think, yeah, she was the innkeeper, right? Yeah. At the Badger. And then Zareen, who Moraine gave one last opportunity <laughs> to to leave. Right. And even, even you know, kind of went back on that, that promise that if she left, she would be forced to stay in Ilion. Yeah. And Moraine says, I'm not even going to make you stay here. There's a forsaken ruling. You can get out, but you have to leave now. Of course, Zareen says, no, I'm going with you. But when Perrin blurts out what he does about Rand. It's like all of a sudden, Zareen, you can't go anywhere. Yep. You're, you, you've got to stay uh, with us. Uh, there's yep. no no option now. Um, <clears throat> so all of this madness, chaos, we've got to get out. And I guess they do get out. Yeah, so but they it's... flee. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, they, they we learn a little bit about the dark hounds. Uh, they don't like yeah. storms, right? Uh, they prefer clear nights because Perrin is, you know, thinking, "Oh, wait, the rain's letting up. That's great. We'll be able to make a better escape." And lands like, uh, "No, think again. Uh... <laughs> We'd have been better off if it was." A thunder, lightning, downpour, because yeah. that might have actually made them stay in, which is interesting. You know, you think these scary demon dogs wouldn't be scared of a little thunder, but uh, apparently they are. Uh, you know, and they make a run for it on the horses, and uh, Perrin thinks, oh, you know, he hears them, and he's like, oh, we, it's, that's great. They sound like they're so far back. We can make a run. We'll be all right. Yeah, uh, not so fast, my friend. <laughs> find out that basically, like, that is the absolute wrong thing to do. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting because it really shows uh, because we spent the last good little chunk in Perrin's head and we see, you know, Perrin's a pretty competent person, but he still does. He's still lacking in a lot of knowledge. You know, mm. if he was the one in charge, this situation would have ended very badly. Mm. <laughs> uh, you know, with this is one of those times where without that wisdom that comes from Moraine and Lan, things would have ended very differently. Because um, everything Perrin is trying to do here, and he thinks should be done, is the exact wrong thing to do. <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, but I mean, he doesn't know. No, he's, he doesn't. He's never, he's never encountered dark hounds before. <laughs> no. Um, so. And neither have we really, except for that brief moment uh, in the last chapter. But now we get a much better idea of what they're capable of. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you know, these Perrin and his crew are on horseback. Yep. Um, but these dark hounds can run, basically run them down. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I guess, I guess if they hadn't stopped. Maybe it would have taken a little bit longer, right? But they eventually would have overtaken. But them. they eventually would have caught up. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, Moraine and Land think, well, might as well, you know, we're going to, they're going to catch us eventually anyway. Yeah. Might as well find a place to take our stand, which is what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it's not going to be much of a stand because what is, you know, everybody thinks, all right, we're getting ready to fight. And then Land tells everybody, oh, no, your weapons aren't going to be any good. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Zareen starts getting out her knives and, you know, I don't know if I'd want to try to take on a dark hound with a knife, maybe <laughs> not even a sword. Yeah, um, well, even Lan is like, he's got that power rot sword and he's like, yeah. this is a last resort. It's not going to do, <laughs> it's not going to do much good. And yeah. uh, Perrin, you know, bless his heart, thinks, well, hey, I've got my bow, I'm a pretty good shot i'm not as good as rand was but i'm a pretty good shot maybe i can take down a few before they get here and he manages to take down one yeah it takes three arrows which all connect i'm pretty sure yeah to take down one and by that point he's got time to fire one more arrow before they're upon them so they're durable they're they're strong powerful uh you put in the notes hard to kill or yeah even the hardest to kill shadow spawn because we've seen you know the other shadow spawn we've encountered trollocs trollocs i mean relatively speaking fall pretty easily trollocs are just as easy to kill as a man yeah like you stab them at the vital places they die <laughs> yeah there's nothing supernaturally stopping you from killing the Trollocs other than their just sheer size and strength. Right. Um, and, you know, Murdral for, you know, somebody with skill. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's not a, you know, it's not a one-sided fight, but somebody with skill can take down a Murdral. Um, same thing with a, with a Drakkar, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's a certain level Yes, it's skill, but with Mergeral and Drakkar, it's also you have to be somebody who has an incredibly strong will. Okay. Because you with the Mergeral, you have to be over be able to overcome the fear. That's true. That supernatural fear that comes upon you. And with the Drakkar, you really have to just get lucky because you know that they have basically they're almost like that Dementor. Yeah, uh, they got know, that, they have that, that kiss thing that kind of entrances you. Yeah, uh, but dark so... hounds are a different matter entirely. Yeah, in fact, had it not been for Moraine, I'm gonna guess everybody would have died. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, With that many of them, they might have taken out one or two dark hounds. Sure. But yeah. uh, the dark hounds, you know, because there were there were a total of ten. I think we 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 see. Uh, Perrin kills one. That leaves nine. With you know, if it weren't from Rain, it would be Lan. Which I guess if Moraine weren't there, Lan wouldn't be there. Yeah. So Perrin, Zareen, and Loyal against nine dark hounds. Yeah. <laughs> but thankfully, Moraine knows some skills. She she's got some skills that pay the bills. Yep. Um, and I guess we 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 know what this is, right? I was trying to think about that. 
I don't well, believe. I, I was actually, and I, I was being careful so I didn't get spoiled by anything, but I was actually looking it up earlier today. And there was a moment earlier in this book where uh, I believe Nynaeve does something similar. Yes. And Egwene recognizes it or, or thinks is pretty certain she knows what it is because she was aware of it. Um, In her so, trip through the Terangriol. Yeah, when she, when she went through accepted. the arches. So. Yeah. I'm. I guess we can say we're pretty sure this is Balefire. Yeah. I'll go ahead and say it. Yeah. This this is Balefire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um which all I guess all we know though at this point is that I mean it manages I mean it doesn't just kill the dark hounds. It they they they're they're gone. Yeah, it, it's a uh, you know, Moraine set her her magic to disintegrate level and went <laughs> Uh, you know, yeah. so we, we know right now, pretty much we know it kills dark hounds and it's forbidden. It works better. <laughs> it works better than an arrow. Yes. Uh, uh an arrow. It took three arrows to kill one dark hound. One blast of balefire takes down nine. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I, I'm curious. And I don't know, maybe you can't say, maybe there's nothing to say, but this place where they take their stand, there was mm -hmm. some some details about it. Uh, let me see if I can find... You're talking about the statue they're standing on. Yeah, I think Loyal okay. says she he thinks she was a Ogier, except there wasn't a steading there. Yeah, so um, it's a statue of a female Ogier or at least yeah. what's left of a statue uh that's head is large enough to basically look like it's a hill okay. uh so and pretty I, massive statue yeah i know moraine says something about you know civilizations that have come and gone mm -hmm. since you know the breaking or even before that so yeah i mean i guess you really probably couldn't say any if if there if there is anything significant uh <laughs> No, I mean, I wouldn't be able to tell yeah. you if there is. I can tell you uh, there are lots of times, and and as the book series goes on, you'll see it, it kind of stops off after a while, but right now, Jordan is still very much in full-blown world building. Yeah. And a lot of things that you're going to encounter, especially when they're outside the cities. Yeah you're going to periodically see little details, little things that remind you that this is not a fresh world. It's a world that has history. Yeah. Yeah. There were kingdoms have risen and fallen, you know, that's, you know, stone is one of those things, especially when you're talking about stone that was either made by the Ogier or in the case of like places like Tarvalin, Stonework that was done using the power doesn't necessarily wear away in the same way that normal uh, 
you know, stonework, you know, in, in our normal world, like take oh, yeah. uh, the, yeah. the statues like at Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Eventually, if you give them enough time, those faces will become undistinguishable from the rain and erosion, right, things like right. that. Power rot stone, ogier stone doesn't necessarily break down and erode like that. And so while the, sh- the land around may shift and change, things sink and shift, the stone itself you know that statue and the detail that has it could be thousands you know and and we see you know we still have we have real world examples of stonework that's lasted the test of time you know we have the the heads on easter island we've got all of egypt yeah you know so stonework can hold its shape for a long time uh yeah and even more so if it's power rot right and and again so we're we're just i mean it, it reminds us that we're living we're in an old world yeah. And um, I was kind of flashing back to, uh, I think it was in book one where Perrin and Egwene got cornered by the White Cloaks, you know, when they met up with Elias. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Perrin kind of got on the White Cloaks' bad side. <laughs> yeah. Not that you have to do much to be on the White Cloaks' bad side. At least it doesn't seem that way to me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was in a similar place, which I think it was, you know, it was an old steading, uh, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But there was a, well, I think it was a old statue or was going to be a statue of uh, Arthur Hawkwing. Right. That they were fighting amongst. So, yeah. I guess kind of a similar situation to that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it also brings to mind the, the, the figure they were like es- excavating in Kyrian in book two. Oh, yeah. You know, the one that. Rand got attracted to with yeah, the globe. I've forgotten about that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So and then you know, there's all kinds of little artifacts. You know, when we saw uh going down the river at one point, I believe it's in the first book, you they see in the distance, I think it was Matt and Tom Matt, Tom, and yeah. on the boat, and they see that shining metal tower off right, the right. Right. Uh, so huh. Yeah. The world is full of crazy, interesting things. And I want to know more. <laughs> Welcome to the Wheel of Time, where <laughs> every page makes you ask questions that you want answers to, and unfortunately, not everything will you get an answer to. But that's, that's okay. why everybody has their own headcanon. By the uh, time you a... finish the book series, everybody has... In my opinion, every person who has ever read the entire series, every single one of us comes out thinking slightly differently okay about events and things that we saw yeah. we all have our own little theories our own little uh you know head canon about how this happened or that happened uh it's because he, the books are just so deep that you can bring in so many different theories and so many different ideas uh that's why i just love talking about it <laughs> i I'm, I'm i'm here for it let's go uh, yep. I want to know. I want to know more about this world. <laughs> um, but at least the dark hounds are not a problem for now anymore. Right. Uh, at least not the ones that we're chasing. <laughs> so, yep. um, um, so uh, we can just only hope that Samael didn't see what happened. Right. And I, I, you know, I was thinking about that. I know there was some wonder on, I think it was either Perrin or Zareen's part, you know, because they were so far from the city. But I mean, 
there it's the middle of the night mm -hmm. it's dark and moraine just did something that you know from best i can understand sounds like it's just a beam of sunlight yeah. if not even brighter so i mean it's not without outside the realm of possibility that somebody could see that from a great distance away <laughs> yeah so it a legitimate concern legitimate concern yeah and I think, too, you have to understand that even Moraine, her knowledge on what the Forsaken can do is incredibly limited. Most of what people know about the Forsaken is, you know, the tales that you tell to scare children. Yeah. Or the boogeyman know, stories. Boogeyman stories, or for the nature, case of the Aes Sedai, they know what they're able to do. But they also realize that there is so such a large depth of things they don't know how to do anymore that, that the people in the Age of Legends yeah. could, that it's almost like you're fighting, a, you know, for Moraine, she's fighting a foe that could literally do, in her mind, could be capable of anything. Right. She has no idea what the upward limits are on his abilities, what he's able to do with the power, you know. She has that little trick that she's used, you know, to, to listen in on other people. For all she knows, he has a similar trick, but on a much larger scale. Huh. Uh, you know, he could have some uh, a weave that allows him to see, like, basically turn his eyes into telescopes, you know, see huge distances. That She has no way to know what he can do and not do. Yeah, that's a scary thought. Yeah. Um. But she does know that he's drastically more powerful than her. <laughs> yeah. Because she's tried her hand at some of the Forsaken. And the ones that she battled in book one were among the weakest of the Forsaken. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we saw how that went. Yeah, we did. <laughs> um. So, And Moraine, that's, the, that's something to really be scared about because... Moraine is not weak as in Aes Sedai standards. Like she would be up at the top in as far as like power level amongst the current Aes Sedai. Okay. So if that just let that sink in for a minute when you're talking about power scaling, uh, the the level of difference between the current Aes Sedai and even the weakest of the Forsaken. Yeah. Oh, we're in for a ride. Yep. Uh, but we got to get to tier. Yeah. Yes. Um, do you want to say that you, you had something about uh, Moraine and Perrin's relationship? <laughs> Just that I think Moraine has finally had enough of Perrin's backtalk and questions. And well, she, she basically. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just love the the phrase that she pretty much ends on as we are getting ready to shift perspectives, where she says, "You know, the pattern weaves many, many threads, some dark as night. Be careful, Perrin, that one does not strangle you." <laughs> you I'm gonna know, come to I'm gonna come to Perrin's defense on that though. That Perrin's <laughs> tired of the secrets and not knowing anything. Yeah. So. Oh no, I I feel for Perrin, <laughs> but Moraine is just like. You know, it's almost like she's the, uh, you know, in her mind, I'm sure, because of how she views things, she's basically taking on the role of, like, 
the high school teacher with that one kid in ninth grade who just can't stop asking why, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, she's at her wit. She's like, I plan to teach you. I'll give you all. You can't get all the answers you want right away. <laughs> and I don't need to tell, like what she wants is for him to just to say, yes, I said, I, what you said, I said, I let's go wrong. <laughs> okay. You said go left. I said, I like, she wants him to just nod his head and go. Well, and that's what so many people none in the of world the boys do. will do that. That's what so many people in the world do. Yeah. Is you know, they they kowtow to the Aes Sedai. Yep. Um, but yeah, not not these three. No. <laughs> and um, you know, not not Zareen either so much. I mean, she's a little bit more, I guess, than than Perrin, which by the way, just worth mentioning, um, she kind of finds out through the grapevine that uh, the Horn of Valir has already been found. Yeah. And it's already been blown. So many little revelations that are just like smack slaps in the face during this chapter. Uh, But there's no turning back for her now. Yeah. Uh, But shall we make our way north? Sure. To to Andor and the road to Camelin, where Matt is trying to blow himself up. Sure. <laughs> yep. Um, Matt is fiddling around with the fireworks. Uh, he and Tom on the road, trying to make their way to Camelin, having trouble finding some lodging, and finally just pretty much sleeping under a bush. Yeah. And Matt's just, you know, fiddling with the fireworks. And, you know, I get it. Matt has that curiosity. Yeah. He wants to know how things work. You know, they have that discussion about uh um Master Alvier's clock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Matt just, you know, if Matt were living in our world in our time, he'd probably end up being an engineer because he, oh, he wants yeah. to know he wants to know how things work. <laughs> yeah, he's a he is very much of all three, he is by leaps and bounds the most curious of all of them. Absolutely. He is the most adventurous and the most curious of them all. Perrin it, wants to know how things work, but in the sense of like a good sturdy thing, you should understand how it works so that you can use it properly. Yeah. But he's not curious about the inner, like, I don't think he could care less about how a clock works. Like that's just, he is more concerned with like, oh, you, you, you want the, the latch on this door to work properly. Well, you had to do this and that. Right. But it's more of a practical, you know, a desire to learn as opposed to outright curiosity. And I think Rand, honestly, I don't think Rand has much curiosity to him at all. I think he would be happily content, uh, especially the Rand we're seeing now. I think he would be happily content to have at any point still just been a shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> Hang, like He was content. I don't think he has any real innate like you know above normal level curiosity for things yeah especially now yeah like he, now, now sure that he he's has... now that he's seen what an adventure is yeah you know um but and, now he, and... he he now of all times he wants to go back home yeah and um, and we have to also remember that Matt is kind of looking at things right now with a very fresh set of eyes. 
Yeah. Um, because he doesn't remember a lot of what the others have gone through. Like their experience, his whole memory is all full of holes. Uh, and for a lot of what he's seeing, the places he's seeing right now, he kind of foggily remembers, but doesn't. Right. So it's, everything's new. This is his real first taste of adventure. He was just kind of with it, you know, going along for the ride before. And now he's finally kind of coming into his own. Yeah. And, and just to touch on that, which kind of comes up in the next chapter, Matt's also um, kind of under this impression that, you know, his part in the story is done. Yeah. he He's kind of like, well, hey, hey, I, I'm no longer in Tarvalin. Moraine is off somewhere else. Uh, she's Rand's problem now, not mine. I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to deliver this letter and then I'm done. Yep. Um, but there are some obstacles along the way, one of which, you know, when he's not trying to blow himself up with the fireworks, maybe somebody else wants to do something to him. Yeah. <laughs> he gets, you know, he and Tom encounter these um, individuals who look like merchants, but I guess are assassins. Yeah, so Maybe. Tom or, and or Matt just both just assume or... they're brigands, but uh, I think we're meant to assume that there's a lot more going on here with that comment that Matt makes about one of them having been one of the people who escaped from the boat. Okay, you know? so that, that, that fellow was from when they were traveling down the river mm -hmm. and got attacked in the middle of the night, right? Right. Okay. And yeah, he was the one that was still in the boat and then cut the <laughs> just drifted off into the water uh, okay on the rowboat to get away okay were all of those on the boat were they all gray men or no okay just one or yeah okay the rest were just normal run-of-the-mill dark friends so so th this this guy's just a just a dark friend yep we say that like it's such a casual thing yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um. But then I guess we should assume that this whole party is dark friends. Yeah, I think they, that's pretty much what's going yeah, on here. Yeah, it it it's obvious they want Matt dead, and yeah, Tom's I mean, probably a bonus prize. It's basically the same scenario we saw in book one, where Rand and Matt were trying to get to Camelon. Yeah, and they kept getting chased by random dark friends. It's basically that again. I think it's somebody as you know. I think it's obviously probably the same person who sent the gray man, mm -hmm. but he's just making use of all the tools he has. So basically, out in the uh, the dark friend circles, there's like a wanted paper that says <laughs> "Wanted, dead and dead, Matt Coffin," <laughs> and so you know he's basically got a price on his head with the dark friends. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're just continuing to come out of the woodwork and continuing to try and track him down and kill him. Uh, cause I, and I think we've seen a shift. Um, I don't know if you picked up on that or not, but in the first two books, they are being chased, but they he the one chasing them wants to control them, wants to yeah. take them prisoner, uh, to make them serve him. At this point. Whoever's chasing them could care less about them serving. They he just wants them dead. He wants them dead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> maybe maybe worth mentioning. Uh. 
Matt's dismay at Tom's killing of a woman. Yes. Um, I was kind of thinking, you know, you can you can take a boy out of the two rivers, but you can't take the two rivers out of the boy. Yeah. Um, he he, you know, it, it bothers him. It, it does. Uh, he still has that. Um, shall we call it chivalry or that yeah. that that mentality? You know, um, you know, of not not harming a woman. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, in this world, that will get you killed really quick. Uh, well, it probably it would have gotten Matt killed if Tom yeah. hadn't intervened. Yep. Um. So I so. mean, you know, props for trying to be a gentleman, I guess. Yeah. Um. But it's going to end up. Yeah, you're going to end up with a dagger in your chest. Yeah. Um. But not now. Uh. But you know, we're gonna make our way to Camelin, I suppose. Right. Uh, which is where we're going in chapter 45, if you're ready to move on. Sure. Then chapter 45 takes us to Camelin. And having arrived in Camelin, Matt makes haste to be rid of Elaine's letter, but runs into a roadblock that the mention of Tarvalin only makes worse. Escaping the guards, Matt finds the Queen's blessing and learns of changes within Camelin from Tom and our good friend Basil Gill, or Basil Gill. Um, Matt is still determined to deliver the letter, and nothing, not even the guards, is going to stand in his way. I guess it's Basil, is it? No, it's Basil Gill, right? Yeah, Basil. So it's, it, it's <laughs> I, said it, I said it weird the first time. Yeah, it's the um, British pronunciation of the, of the herb. Yeah. Basically, uh, so you know, in in America, we typically refer to it as basil, yeah. But over in Europe, they refer it's to it as basil. Basil, yeah. So, and, and and it would be a herb, not an herb. Yeah, I think <laughs> they pronounce the H. Yeah, uh, or at least I've heard the H pronounced. I don't know if everybody does that, but um, wow, I'm all over the place tonight. <laughs> uh, kind of like Matt's memory. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and this is really the first like time we understand like just how kind of patchwork his memory is because yeah. we're finally seeing him in a setting that he should that by all right be remember. Familiar. Yeah, uh, and you know, it's like he says, all of a sudden he'll remember a spot, and then he can look to the other side of the street and not remember ever seeing that building. Like it's right. just his memory is about like Swiss cheese uh, at this point, which is just. Mm really sad i mean i can't imagine <laughs> like he he's putting he's keeping a pretty cheerful attitude for somebody who's dealing with that like yeah to me the idea of losing so much of your memories and like because memories are what make us who we are to be missing and having so many holes in it would be kind of devastating for most people i think yeah but maybe matt's natural curiosity you know he's getting to experience all over again yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was interested in, you know, his view of Camelin. Uh There's a quote uh, where it says that he seemed to remember thinking Camelin was too noisy when he was yeah. here before. Now it sounded like a heartbeat pumping wealth. Yeah. Um, and now that I read that again, I'm wondering. You know. The thing what made him think it was too noisy was that the country boy from the two rivers or was that the sickness brought on by the dagger? 
I have a feeling it or was, was it a bit of sickness. Both. Yeah. Uh, but do you think, though, you know, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It was probably yeah. the sickness at the time. I think it was the sickness because the yeah. way he, he talks about it being too loud, that almost to me sounds like, because I, I deal with migraines. And yeah. so that to me sounds like somebody who's dealing with a migraine. And yeah. that to me just fits with what was going on with him. And like, you know, he basically put it, you know, locked himself away in dark rooms when they were in the inn, and, you know, didn't want to be around other people. Like, yeah. Mm. That dagger was causing him to, you also have to remember that a part of that sickness was the twisting of his mind and that, that crazy level of suspicion and anxiety. Yeah. Uh, when you're a suspicious person, you start to hear, you know, this clamor of voices, everybody's talking it's, you know, it's going to drive you nuts because you're going to be constantly on edge, constantly, you know, oh, they, they're whispering over there. They must be talking about me. You know, it's that parano paranoid fugue that he was in uh, kind of tainted his view of the city before, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, we, we talked a little bit about Matt's uh, thinking that, you know, he's free of all the connivings and plannings right. of the world but um but he's got to get rid of the letter first and he tries to do that and it doesn't go so well on this first try uh because there is a guard at the gate of the palace that as soon as he mentions tarvalin mm -hmm. he is ready to you know uh, at first he's just you know wants to turn matt away but doesn't take very long. He's ready to arrest Matt, have him, you know, thrown in the dungeon or or worse. Um, and I feel like we knew, you know, that there were some tensions between Andor and Tarvalin. Yeah, between Morgays and the Tower. But I don't think we thought we realized it was this bad. Uh. Yeah, I don't think even Tarvalon realized just how bad it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I get the inkling that they, you know, especially like Swan and her choosing to continue to use the girls. Like, I don't think she, if she realized the level of trouble this was causing, I don't think she would have. Uh, she would have been doing more to try and repair this damage. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I guess it goes deeper than we realize, though. Yeah. Because, well, make the long story short, Matt doesn't get arrested. He no, but he comes his, pretty darn close. He does, he does come pretty close, but he does get away and finds his way to the Queen's Blessing, where he finds uh, Tom and Basil Gill... Uh, locked in a in a stones game, and learns just a little bit about what's going on in Camelin. Yeah, where do we so, begin? Let's see. Uh, the riots came back. That, yeah, and you know, I guess we we saw a glimpse of that in book one, like that kind of. Yeah, because uh, you know I think everybody was wear either wearing the red or the white, right? Either a queen's man or or not. Yeah. Um, and they had died down uh, when the weather shifted back to normal 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the riots came back while apparently Morgay's was out of the city. That's right. Uh, because she had, we remember that she actually journeyed to Tarvalon to try and track down her daughter <laughs> uh, and was going to take her sons back. And uh, they, you know, they convinced her to let them stay. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, so while she was gone, that's when this Gabriel pops up. Yeah. And starts basically um, taking on the the rioters in her why name. Why does a guy randomly showing up in a capital city make me uneasy? I don't know. Why would that? Especially a guy that no one's ever heard of. You know, this lord pops up out of nowhere, starts taking charge. He wins the favor of the people by supporting the queen. Uh, and then he starts to, you know, basically go one by one, taking out the supposed rioters and the enemies of the queen. And so, uh, you know, while Morghese is gone, he and Gareth Brynn are working together to try and quell the riots. Brynn does not like his methods. But uh, and then when uh, Morghese finally returns. For some reason. Instead of listening to the counsel of her, her trusted general and lover, hmm. she decides to take the side of this relative stranger who just showed up. And when Bran speaks out against it, she banishes them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. And now we're in a situation where this Lord Gabriel has slowly started basically changing of the guard doesn't seem to be happening so slowly to me yeah <laughs> uh because i mean several of the guards it seems like have already been been swapped out for his own Wackies. Uh, yeah for lack of a better word i guess that would be it yeah um yeah so it's it's not just new guards i mean you have this whole new uh this new power uh shift in Hamlin. And yeah, it's considering what we just experienced in Ilion. And I think what at this point, because of our experience in Ilion, we're suspecting <laughs> is happening in Tyr. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, that that just it's it's unnerving to think about there being uh this you know, just within the past year or so, this completely random person that nobody has ever heard of yeah, in a position of power. Yeah. Uh, but I think so we, one, might, one we might time, find out more about that a little bit later. Yeah. One time of that happening would could be a coincidence. Three times is, is pushing yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Which we don't have, you know, the situation in tier confirmed yet. No, but it's suspicious that we're seeing it happen this many times. Yeah, in such short succession. Yeah, you know you got these several places where it's happening, and you know, Tyr and Ilion are relatively close on the map, but you know we're all the way up in Andor here. Yeah, and now I just wonder, you know, where else might this be happening? <laughs> um, and doesn't mean what we think it means. I don't know. We might find out. Yeah. Um, there was one other thing that 
I wanted to touch on real quick, and that was the cook's memory of Matt, the cook at the Queen's Blessing. I forget her name. Um, Celia, I think. No, it started Something. with a C, but yeah, it's Carlini, Carlinia. I, I I don't remember. I don't know. I'm not going to look it up right now either. <laughs> um, maybe maybe a listener can can let us know. Yeah. Um, but when she she recognizes Matt when he shows up as having traveled with first of all she recognizes him having having traveled with the young prince, <laughs> uh, which Matt yeah. in uh, thoroughly enjoys I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but the young prince prince that looks so much like Tigrain. Um. Is, is the way she described him. Now, mm-hmm. remind me, uh, Tigraine was, what was her, I mean, she was, I know she was, what was she, queen in? She and, was the daughter heir. She was the daughter heir of in Andor. Yes. And I'm, I'm not remembering what happened. So, Nobody really knows. She vanished. She just disappeared. Yeah. And then when her mother died, there was a succession war. And okay. that's when Morgays... That's when Morgays took the throne. Okay. Yeah. And and how long ago was that? Uh, Roughly 20-ish years. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. A little more than 20, but not a yeah. ton. It just, it just, that was a detail that stood out to me because I think yeah. we've, we've talked a little bit about her before. Um, I think there's probably more, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe there's part more to learn there. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, chapter 45 is kind of gets get, getting reacquainted with Camelin. Camelin. Yeah. Learning the new power struggle and remembering that there is another way into the palace. <laughs> yeah um which was discovered by accident the first time but matt i think is about to go and use it intentionally yeah uh his arrogance is going to get him killed one day um but shall we move into chapter 46 i believe so a message out of the shadow luck is on matt's side after his failure at the palace gates his second attempt to deliver elaine's letter is successful, but the price for his success is the burden of knowledge, overhearing diabolical plots and realizing that one beloved figure is not who he seems to be. Um, so yeah, a bit of a foolhardy plan on Matt's part to sneak into the palace through this garden that Rand just so happened to accidentally fall into <laughs> yeah. back in book one, um, but it works. It works, and I'm left with the question of, will Matt's luck ever run out? Hmm. And when it does, how bad is it going to be? Uh, <laughs> Raffo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, read on and find out. <laughs> uh, I got a feeling that's not going to be a pleasant conversation. No. Uh, let's see... What shall we? Well, I mean, the first part of the chapter is pretty much just Matt sneaking through the garden. Yeah. Trying not to get caught by the guards, which he's successful at until, well, I mean, he doesn't get caught. Right. 
Um, but he does hear some things. Yeah, he overhears a pretty, uh, pretty devastating conversation. <laughs> and and I feel like this conversation, um, well, I, I guess it's not really, well, yeah, you know, this conversation starts to lean into the fears that we already have. Yeah. Uh, because this person who is being called the great master. Yeah. Wants Elaine dead. Right. That, that that's the that's the simple version of it uh. <laughs> yep um so and uh you know it's it's this whole conversation is kind of interesting in how you know we have this mysterious voice and this power dynamic uh here and by the end of it we basically have an assassin is now on the the hunt for yeah. Elaine, as well as Nynaeve and Egwene, because they just happen to be with her, uh, and so uh, Matt, you know, is obviously like, okay, somebody's plotting. This is not good. Uh, I, you know, now I have even more reason to get this letter to the queen. I need to let her know that you know someone in her court is, you know, a traitor, and then uh, so do 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 do. What happens yeah. next? <laughs> well, I mean, it 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 it's like you said, Matt. You know, this whoever this great master is, yeah, has some diabolical plans and mostly centered around Elaine. But anybody else who gets in the way, oh well. Yeah, uh, I did think you know it is interesting. There is some discussions while they're having this conversation. Um, there's this mention of a boy who can destroy us all. Yeah. Um. We, I guess we assume that's Rand. Yeah. Probably. He, he's he's nowhere to be found. Nobody knows where he is, but he's out there somewhere. And that's kind of disturbing to these individuals. Um, And then there's a mention of a, well, he calls him a fool in tear. Yeah. Uh, or uh, I guess we can assume he's in tear because there's a mention of Kalendor. Yeah, uh, it ma makes regarding this uh, this individual, and he's someone that this great master apparently doesn't think very much of. Thinks he's a fool. Thinks he's impatient. Uh, thinks he's probably gonna you know he, he can mess up his own plans. Yeah. Um. So if we're assuming, um, if we're assuming what we're assuming, <laughs> mm -hmm. it probably confirms what we fear about what's going on in tier. Yeah. Um. So uh, now we have more than likely at least two forsaken in a position of power in a part of the world. And then we have this great master, whoever right. he may be. Um, and unfortunately, fortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately, we don't have to wait very long to find out, do we? No. But before that, um, Matt does run into somebody else. Um yeah, a familiar face from way back in uh, the eye of the world. I was trying to, I, I had felt like we had encountered Talonvor before. Mm -hmm. And so it was back in book one. Yes. Um, how were we in? I mean, so he was the guard, one of the guards that confronted 
Elaine and Gowan when they had Rand in their company. Okay. And then said that the queen had demanded that they be brought and he escorted Rand to Queen Morgays. Okay. Uh, That's kind of what I was thinking where we had met him before. Yeah. But I wasn't a hundred percent sure. I couldn't quite remember because I don't remember anything. Um, <laughs> um well, yeah. what can we say about Talonvor other than that we already know him? We've already met him before. We've already met him, and uh, you know, from what little we encountered with him last time, unless he has changed drastically, he's a queen's man. Okay. He is loyal to Morgays. Well, that's good, uh, I guess. That's when, you know, when we met him last, that's where he stood. Now, who knows where his allegiance lies now, uh, but given his reaction to some of Matt's comments, I think he is still loyal to the Queen. Uh, because, you know, he asks Matt if he is loyal, and uh, Matt, you know, thinking he, you know, is hedging his bets, he's like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, if I had been here when the riots were going on, I'd have, uh, I'd have been on the side of Lord Gabriel, you know, because he's Matt's in his mind is like, oh, Lord Gabriel, that's the Queen's confidant yeah, and advisor. Yeah. So I'm, and you can see kind of that almost dark look to come over Talonvor, and he's like, yeah, okay, yeah. So we, yeah. we get the feeling that he does not think very well of Gabriel, uh, but he is loyal to the Queen. Yeah, I think we we get some of that a little bit later too in the next chapter. Yeah. Um, regarding Talonvor, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. It sounds like he's a loyal Queens man. Yeah. And willing to do whatever is necessary for his queen. Yeah. Um, in fact, you know, um, <laughs> Matt's, Matt's probably lucky for lack of a better word that he got the name of the daughter heir out so quickly Yeah, <laughs> when encountering Talonvor, because, uh, I think Talonvor was ready to, to, to chop some heads. Yeah. Um, because I mean, he probably Matt at this point is pretty much like setting off all the alarm bells for an assassin. Well, yeah, I mean, he just he 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 snuck into the palace. He's trying to walk, just walk through the door. Yeah. Um, and just happens to encounter this, uh, th this this man as he's walking through the door. But he he is spared. He he is not killed. He he does have the letter. And convinces convinces Talonvor to let him deliver it to the queen in person. Yeah. Which we do. And that's when things go from bad to worse. Yeah. Because, you know, first, oh, everything seems fine. We're going to read uh, Elaine's letter. And seems like Morgaze is accepting of it yeah i guess uh, she, she... herself does not so you know if we think back to this woman because we have met her before yeah uh to me there are alarm bells ringing in my head when we reach this scene because this to me is not the same woman we met in the eye of the world yeah yeah it's it's kind of interesting to me how quickly her mood changes yeah you know, I mean, we, we know, at least from conversations we've had with Tom, that she's got a pretty fiery temper. Mm -hmm. But this seems like it's a little bit more than that. 
Yeah. You know, she's she's clearly upset with everything that's going on with Elaine. She's even still a little upset after she reads the letter. Yeah. Um, you know, she does comment on Elaine being raised to accepted so quickly. Yeah. It's um, it's weird. It's her personality. It's almost like uh almost bipolar, but in yeah. like a, a flip-flop, like everything is like one minute she's excited about her accepted, the next minute, boo, I hate us. I don't, you know, yeah. it's this, it's almost like her own mind is at war within itself. That's an interesting way of putting that. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there's just some subtle, some subtle things in here that just have me wondering uh, yeah. about different things. I mean, again, it's how quickly her tone changes at certain points and there are certain things going on when those moments happen yeah. that it, it's just, it's very curious. And I want to, I want to keep an eye out for anything going on with more gays. Yeah. Uh, Especially, but the bigger... uh, yeah, this is it, all of the things with more gays take on a more sinister light when we are, have the next revelation of Lord Gabriel. Yeah, Matt's getting, I mean, Matt is starting to speak. He's like, uh, you know, my queen, I, I need to tell you about this. And then he's interrupted by someone whose voice sounds very familiar. Yeah. And it turns out that this Lord Gabriel is the person that Matt heard just a few minutes earlier mm-hmm. plotting to kill the daughter heir. Yeah. Which, again, I guess confirms all of our suspicions that uh, we have now in a third city, most likely one of the Forsaken, pretty much in a po- in a position of power, leadership. Yeah. Um, you know. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> things are looking kind of uh very grim for yeah. the, you know the world is uh i was thinking about this today as i was rereading these chapters uh these chapters uh basically beginning with the entrance to ilian and then the coming back to came one uh i think is when so we've been building this world and i think this part of the book is when things really start to take a uh, shift. Yeah. Like we see the world take on is beginning to take on a darker tone. Mm-hmm. You know, there is more afoot um, before, you know, it was rare to, you know, see, you know, the idea of like a dark friend or something like, Oh, you know, that's, you know, are they real? You know, And now more and more we are seeing, corruption we're seeing the dirty underbelly of this world coming out and uh you know the darker seedier elements coming into the light basically uh so the world itself is taking on just a more deceptive and dark tone yeah this is where everything just kind of starts to fall apart yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had the lovely introductory scenes and now we're getting into the real problem. Yeah. Uh, which is amazing to think that we're three books in 
<laughs> Yeah. which i mean yeah there's there's been conflict there's been problems up until this point you know in book one you know i guess you could say the main antagonist is baalzaman right Right. and and and, and even then he's still kind of in the background Yeah. you know he's not a a he's a threat but he's not like he seems distant Yeah. You know, in book two, you know, it's, yeah, we're starting to see some more of these machinations take place, but maybe the main antagonist is the Sean Chan over Yeah. in the West in you know, Falma and, you know, Toman Head in these places. But now it's everywhere and it's not good. No. And I'm, I'm suddenly remembering there is... another power vacuum in the world that we know of. Um, and I think one that gets mentioned right here at the end of the chapter, Mm hmm right? Yeah. Um, There And that's... are... <sighs> now, now that I think about it, the fact that there's a power vacuum in Kyrian is a little, is, is even more unsettling than it normally would be. Right. Um, but Gabriel apparently has some plans for that. Yeah. Uh, So. and we just kind of get that in passing right there at the end that he, he's basically trying to convince more gays to send armies into Yeah, Kyrian basically, Kyrian and you, you're, you have a blood connection, you know, you have that, uh, your, uh, the, your past consort and, uh, Right, she, father of your children was Kyrianan, yeah. so you have a sound claim, you can lay claim to the Kyrianan throne and finally expand Andor uh, to encompass, you know, what basically has been a rival nation. Yeah. So No. maybe there's something to that, you know, if he's trying to convince her to fill that void. I guess that means nobody else has filled it yet. Right. <laughs> so maybe that's a little bit comforting. <laughs> Yeah. there's maybe we can say, well, at least there's not a forsaken ruling in Ili in Kyrian yet. Yeah. But, you know, and it's going to sound sad for poor Kyrian, but it, I think honestly it has more to do less with the fact that the Forsaken are loose and more with the fact that there's really not anything appealing about taking just taking Kyrian right now because even before the Civil War, the people of Kyrian were basically poor and starving. Like there were Yeah. already riots. There was already like even when the king was still live and kicking, Kyrian was already in trouble. And then Okay. it went into a civil war. I mean, if you're looking, if you're one of the Forsaken, you're coming out of stasis, basically. You're looking at places to try and establish a power base and things like that. You want to go for strong nations, and Kyrian just isn't one It's right not now. one right now. Hmm. So that's probably a saving grace. <laughs> uh, so, because, I mean, right, honestly, I mean... If you're not including the Borderland nations, Ilian, Tyr, and Andor are these, the, they're, you know, on this side of the Arth Ocean, those are the three strongest countries. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so that's that's your three most powerful nations scooped up right there. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like the Forsaken are playing the game of risk and you're choosing where to start. So you get the certain, you know, you want the right resources, you want, you know, it's strategic. All right. <laughs> and 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 Gabriel's ready to roll those dice onto the next territory. Yep. Yeah. Um just don't forget to leave plenty of forces behind, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, many, many long nights playing that game. Anyway, um, let's go ahead and get chapter 47 in. Okay. It'll be quick. Uh, it's a short chapter. There's not a whole, there, there's probably tons that we could talk about. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today. Like, you know, we could probably talk about one chapter per episode. Oh, if we still, wanted to, we definitely and still could. have episodes that are just as long as they are now. Oh, yeah. Because there are so many things that I think we could talk about in each one of these. But yeah. uh, if we do that, we'll be like 80 before we ever finish. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but in chapter 47, to race the shadow, fresh off of his visit to the palace, Matt returns to the queen's blessing with the intent to have a meal and leave but not before finding out as much as he can about Lord Gabriel and revealing to the Gleeman and the innkeeper the shocking news that he has overheard. Uh, so, that, yeah, that's the basic gist of what happens in this chapter. Yeah. Matt and we back. kind of already uh, yeah. alluded to everything that he learns about Gabriel. Yeah, uh, Matt goes back to the... Um, goes back to the inn... Uh, tries to get more information, which I think we've already touched on. You know, he came up out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, he kind of set things in order while Morgays was away and then kind of became her right-hand man. Yeah. And now Matt reveals, oh, yeah, he wants to kill the daughter heir. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and, and Basil Gill admits that he's not a fan of Gabriel and it has less to, he's had no direct dealings with the man. He's just had a lot of run-ins with the people he has put in positions of power. Right. And he has seen how people, how the guards have started to treat other people, the level of suspicion that seems to be breeding in the streets. He's seeing all the, the dark darkness creep in and he's having bad dreams, which I think is meant to be the final nail in our little suspicion <laughs> coffin <right>. there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh so yeah, I think at this point, by the time you hear that line, you can pretty much say, okay, the same thing that's happening in Ilion is happening. It's happening. And and not just, you know, it's not just Basil Gill. I mean, there's this uh, you know, story he tells about one of the serving girls apparently overhearing his dreams. Yeah. And by the time it got back to him, it was some guy all the way clear across Camelin. Yep. Uh who was who had but then when he gets there and talks to the guy, uh he is saying it was his dream. So it sounds like, yeah, the exact same thing. People having the same dreams in different places mm-hmm. and it's not pleasant. So yeah, um red flag, right? You know, yeah. alarm bells going off. Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah, there's something not right. Uh, it's very similar to what's going on in Ilion. 
and um, yeah, need to get out of Camelin as fast as we can. Yeah, um, I think I do want to bring up the fact that uh, you know, a lot of times, especially in these opening books, Matt is kind of looked at as the troublemaker. He's the you know, he's the the rowdy, you know, he's the one who had to, he had to go and take the dagger. He had, you know, he did all these things and he had, you know, he complained basically the entirety of book two. Uh, but when Matt finds out, okay, there's a plot, they're going to go after Elaine, Nynaeve and Egwene. There's never a moment in his mind where he's like, well, I, you know what, I should mail him a letter. You know, it'll reach him, you know, but it's not my problem. No. Yeah. His instinct is, well, I need to get out of Dodge because I got to get to tear. Yeah. Well, <laughs> his 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 first instinct was to just tell the queen right out. Yeah. Uh, but when that backfired. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, it shows the kind of person he is that he's not. His first instinct is my friends are in danger. I've got to go. Yeah. Not. Oh, you know, I, you know, there, there, there's danger. So let me run the other way. Right. Yeah. As much as he would probably protest that. Yeah. He would probably say that he would run the other way, but here he is. He's running toward the danger. Yeah. Um. That's because in, in my mind, despite all the superficial things, in my opinion, Matt is, despite how much he would rather not be, you could sum up his character to me in one word, and that's loyal. I like, like that. That that if you burn away every all the superficial stuff, past the luck and everything like that. Yeah. To his friends and those he cares about, Matt is loyal to the final degree. I I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um. Hmm. I love I, I love the character development. I, I really do. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that earlier today as I was going back over the chapters, is like how how much I really enjoy seeing the characters change. And we're only, you know, not even fully three books in. Yeah. And we've already kind of seen, you know, those changes or what seem to be changes, but maybe it's more their real character coming out. Yeah. As for what we've been introduced to. But now we finally got everybody on the way to tier. Yeah. I believe. Pretty much. Um, yeah, I think they're all... So, I guess that's where our climax is going to be. Yeah, I um, think that's pretty much... You know, yeah. Or maybe they all get stopped on the road there and nobody ever... We, maybe the book never even gets to tear. We never get to tear. <laughs> uh, you know, because, you know, book one, they were trying to get to Tarvalon and they, they got to Camewin and they got shanghai up to the eye of the world. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> maybe we'll end up, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the Aiel Waste. Who knows? Uh, never know. <laughs> uh, one other, I just, I wanted to mention real quick, um, you know, they, they discuss how to get the word to more gays. Right. About, um, you know, everything that's going on. And as much as I detest the game of houses, uh, Tom had a pretty good idea. Yeah. Uh, to use it and use the rumor meal that the rumor mill that's attached to it. Uh, to get the word to more guys. Because if she hears it enough, she's eventually going to start to question it. 
Yeah. And maybe do a little digging. Which could it's be dangerous. Interesting... For, could be dangerous for her, but could also get her some answers that, that she needs. Yeah. Um it's an interesting scheme to be come up with by just an average run of the mill gleeman. <laughs> yeah. But I think we, we sort of know Tom's more than that. Is he? I think we do. <laughs> he knows he knows too much about the world to just be a run-of-the-mill gleeman. Yeah. I mean, we've already established he was once, you know, Merguez's lover. Yeah. So And we highly we have reason to highly suspect that he's killed at least one king. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. At least yeah. one. Yep. <laughs> uh, anything else in chapter 47 for you? No, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, All right. Yeah. I, the one thing that I wanted to know about was this bag of gold that, you know, Matt leaves behind. Um, I just wonder if it's going to be there when he gets back. <laughs> I'm going to be watching for it. Okay. Be, be oh, looking. watch. 2023. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be 2024 or maybe even longer before we get back to Camelin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious when Matt gets back to the queen's blessing, will his, will his gold still be there? I mean, I trust Basil Gill. I, I mean, you know, yeah. he's, he's a, he's a plump innkeeper. I trust him, <laughs> um, but who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And we didn't have to deal with white cloaks in this episode. Nope. No white cloaks, no trollocs, no Murdral, nope, no Drakkar, no Narg, <laughs> and still no Narg. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> one of these days. Oh, okay. It, it, it's it's going to be like the very it, the very last book. Oh, okay. All of a yep. sudden, Narg's going to be there. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, good. He's times. actually the uh, the champion of the dark at Tarman Gaiden. Yeah, he he's actually the dark one. Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Any final thoughts from you? Uh, no, just that, you know, uh, at the title of the last chapter, 47, To Race the Shadow, the race is on. Everybody's finally mm. on the same course. Uh, we're headed towards the end of this book, and we're headed towards something. Everything's building. What are we heading uh, towards? Yeah. That's the question. That is the question. Uh, but I think it's going to be an exciting race. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess from there we can go ahead and wrap it up. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us and sticking with us. Um, a little bit longer than what we've done in the past. Uh, I think I don't think we're quite as long as as the last episode yet. But um, uh, you know, we're we're doing a little we're we're doing a little bit more because uh we're only here every other week now those of you who were with us for the first uh episode back you know that we're uh new episodes out every other tuesday uh so we're slowing down a little bit on the release schedule but maybe trying to do a little bit more each time uh so we can you know still get that good content and enjoy this time together uh, we'd love it if uh, wherever you hear this podcast, if you would hit the subscribe or follow button, uh, leave us a rating and a review that will help others to to find us and join in on the fun. 
Um, we'd love for you to join with us on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. You can send us an email, and all of that information is in the show notes. Uh, so, Stephen, what is the plan for next time? So, next time plan is to cover chapters 48 through 50. All right. So, you heard it here first. Between now and two weeks from now, go ahead and read those three chapters. And we're getting close to the end of this book. Yep. So... Uh, I'm sure things are going to just pop off really fast and we're going to have a lot to talk about next time. Oh yeah. So yeah, we're, we I was just looking things over and we're looking at probably three episodes left in this book. Okay. So maybe All four right. depending three four yeah you know especially when we get to those later chapters sometimes yeah. we we do it slow down on those a little bit yep but we're not quite there yet chapters 48 yeah. through 50 next time so read those between now and then come back and be ready uh as we dive in in two weeks until then hope you all have a fantastic rest of this week and next week and we'll see you right back here next time hope you uh have a good time everybody see you have soon. a fabulous rest of your week folks.